welcome to the Life Giver Podcast. This is your host, Corey Weathers. I'm a clinician, military spouse, an advocate, and my co-host for this season is Sarah Foster, a first responder spouse, mom, and homesteader. Join us for season seven, where we invite you into honest conversation about life, family, and home. So grab that cup of coffee or head out for a walk. It's time to reconnect with what matters most. Through all the storms and by your side, through days of warmth and by your side, like the stars and the moon in the nighttime sky, I'm by your side. Welcome to the Life Giver Podcast. This is your host, Corey Weathers, and my co-host, Sarah. It is um, it is going to be the last episode of season seven. Um, you might, if you've been listening for a long time, you're probably going, what? Like, usually I do like 25 episodes in a season. <laughs> um, Sarah and I have talked a lot about focusing on what matters most, that it maybe shouldn't be a million things that we're focusing <laughs> on, <laughs> but coming down to like, what are the most important things and can it be really simple? So here we are. This is the last episode of season seven. Seven. So, Sarah, I just want to start off by saying, man, I have really, really, really enjoyed bantering with you and um, having you as a co-host. I've gotten a lot of feedback from people who just love listening to Sarah and her just spontaneous, funny comments that just make you burst into laughter, which apparently I, and I've been doing a lot of that this season for sure. So, Sarah, thank you for taking the risk and joining me um, this season. I'm glad to have you back. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it too. It's just feels natural and fun and it's been good to just, um, have conversations with you. I think a lot of us wish that they could have conversations with you. So <laughs> to sit down and be like, yeah, let's talk about these things. And so, um, I've really enjoyed being on and I appreciate, um, just you welcoming in, welcoming me in to it. And, um, even listeners too. Cause I, I know I've secretly shared with you, like, what, what if everyone's like, get this girl out of here? Like, why do you have her? I'm like, we only want to hear you like put her away. So her away. <laughs> big thank you to, big thank you to everybody who has allowed me to be on and listen to my thoughts as well. So I love it. I love it. And, um, you know, I appreciate um, the way that you've defined certain terms and kept me organized along the way. And uh, I probably laughed more in this season than I have in any any season, all, all combined. And so thank you for the joy in my life. Um, but, you know, we were talking just a few minutes ago about like, how do we wrap up a season um, on reconnecting with what matters most? We've covered all kinds of things. Like, how do you create more margin in your life? We've talked about how to make really hard choices um, in order to create that margin in your life. How do you say no to things? Um, how do you build community better? Um, we've also had some like wonderful, wonderful, um, couples coming on and talking about like how they, um, made choices in their life to not only protect their marriage, but also navigate their career while also taking care of their family and their marriage. And hopefully you guys have really enjoyed that. I've definitely enjoyed having couples on and hearing their story. So, um, it's been a really thought-provoking season, um, and hopefully it's had some recentering effect on all of you that were listening. 
So Sarah, I would love to just kind of come to you. And, um, you know, when we first started the season, we talked about defining this kind of full circle um, idea of like, there's so much imperfection in the journey and in living and embracing that imperfection and how we're not going to get it right. But there's also something about coming full circle to, you know, I think circling the wagons, Matt and I say that all the time of like protecting your family and, and really defining your values of what matters most. And so I would just love to hear from you, like, what have your thoughts been on the season? Um, when you look back, like what stands out to you? What did you maybe learn? Well, I feel like this tends to happen, but I feel like once you get a theme, then, or at least for me, then I see it everywhere. It's kind of like when like, you're like, I'm going to buy a minivan. And then all of a sudden you see Toyota minivans, like everywhere you look, you know, and you're like, I didn't realize so many people had that. But, um, so I feel like th- with all that deep thought, cause yes, I'm always in deep thought as well, that, um, I just have been surprised, but not really at how much I can tie into that theme of just reconnecting the, and the thought of circling back. And more so I've started to think like that it maybe isn't even just one circle that I almost think of it as circular, like almost like a spiral, because I feel like as we've recorded these and I've had to think about those topics. And then I've also been just living my own life and, and seeing that same theme pop up that I keep circling back to decisions that I made or commitments that I made, whether that's circling back to my marriage or circling back to the way we um, envisioned raising our children or whatever. Um, I've had to like reevaluate and come back because life is always changing. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like even that definition of reconnect, um, cause as we started this, um, podcast today, I was like, I don't have any words to define because this is like the wrap up. Like, there's like, no, no definitions needed. But what was funny is when I was pulling out my notes, it just kind of fell out of my page. Um, the original definition of reconnect of like coming back to what matters most. And I thought, you know, it's so interesting because I have done that myself in the time that we've been recording of like circling back to what matters most and allowing that to look different um, in different seasons. And I feel like, um, we're probably going to get into this a little bit, but it's been like in, in the different, it's the same theme just applied somewhat differently. Like as I transitioned to having no longer little babies, like nobody's cuddling me, they're all just talking at me nonstop. (laughs) And it's not super thought provoking. It's actually a bad thing. Um, and so what does that look like? You know, like how do I connect with them or whatever? So, and I just feel like, um, it's a theme that isn't going to go away with a podcast. It's one that I'm going to just continue to carry with me of that. Even when I think about when you were talking about that, there's not as many episodes and it's kind of what I see, even in that picture, again, going back to that circle is like almost like a momentum build of like, it felt for a while when we were talking about reconnect, it was like reconnect with this and this and this. And it was like, we had all these episodes and then it just went whoop and circled back to the top. Like it just rose back up to the top yeah. of like, And that's done, you know, Mm. and it's not like a done never to return, but that's how I'm starting to just see our life is already built like that with seasons and even traditions. Like you circle back to the same ones over and over and over again, but yet you're also moving forward. So now I'm starting to see it more as like, like I said, a spiral of like, I'll reconnect again and again and again and again, hopefully always coming back to the things that matter most to me. So Um, I love that picture. In fact, I actually use a spiral metaphor for time all the time when I'm talking with people, because I really, um, you have to kind of follow my 
thinking on this, but I feel like time is more like a spiral than it is like a linear line. Like it's really easy to like the clock keeps ticking and we just keep, we think of timelines as being a linear line. Whereas I see life and time moving more like a spiral. And there's something about things come full circle all the time. You're right, Mm -hmm. whether it's seasons, but there's also things that we go through in our life that if you look back over time in your life, there's these themes that keep popping up in our life, right? And and there's different themes for each person. You know, if you went through abuse in your childhood, like you have to revisit that in your relationships and what it means to have trusting relationships. You have to revisit that when conflict comes up or if you find yourself in an abusive relationship, it's almost like it spirals back around and gives you this opportunity of, are you going to grow through this? Are you going to evolve? But we can't evolve if we don't circle back rethink it and evolve it to the next level. That's why a spiral is moving forward, but it still loops on itself. Right. Mm -hmm. And so whether it is trauma that you've experienced in your life, you have these new opportunities to reconnect with that trauma and evolve it forward. You can't erase it from your life. You have to evolve it forward. Or, you know, we can apply it to joy-filled things too, like raising your kids that you brought up, right? Like you have moments to, um, reevaluate what family means to you, what quality time means to you and evolve it forward. Like you just said, my kids are older. Quality time is changing. Conversations are changing. How do we, how do I reconnect with my value of, I want to have a close connected relationship with my kids, but I've got to re um, reconnect with that value. And then I have to redefine it Mm -hmm. and live it out differently each time. Um, so did you have any favorite episodes, Sarah? It's hard to pick because I like, I mean, I felt like every time we did one, I'm like, I like that. I like that. Um, I really liked Mark and Carolyn. That was probably one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. Just, um, I really enjoyed listening to them, but I really, it's hard for me, like shout out to Mark and Carolyn. Cause I'm like, well, the other stories were good too. Like, like, I don't want it to sound like, you know, I didn't really care because I, I, they all brought something so different. And I really liked, I think what I liked too formatting wise is like those breaks of like, we would talk about topics, but then look, here's how someone did that mm-hmm. and that it is possible. And it's not just about talking in theory, but that you actually can like, there's fruit there to be seen that Mm -hmm. when hard choices are made or people slow down that you can see, um, that there's something richer waiting for you on the other end of that, that it wasn't, that it's not, like I said, it's not just theory. It's like practical application of people who are on the other side of it as well. Because, um, I have a friend who she always says like, if nothing changes, nothing changes. And it's really true. And so if you are starting off thinking like, well, that sounds nice, but you know, it's, it was nice to see people who had made those decisions and actually changed and it did change things. Yeah. Cause I think that can be the lie sometimes that it'll always be this way, or this just is what it is or, you know, whatever, but actually like, no, you can stop pause and you really can. And in this lifestyle specifically, we talk so much about not having control because it's very true. Like our schedules aren't controlled or, you know, where we live isn't controlled always, or when we work or whatever, but there actually is a whole lot of control that we have um, really mainly within ourselves of to decide and make different decisions and break patterns and step out into new ways. So I really enjoyed listening to those like real life 
applications. Um, So when I look back on it, I see how really in the process of reconnecting with what matters most when I, when we want to simplify things, there's really no way to do that without work. Mm -hmm. Like it is, I mean, all of the stories, my aunt, um, Jennifer Clark, um, Mark and Caroline, um, Lori and Jeff Hawkins, like all of these stories were of people who wanted something in their life. Um, and I missed our first responder couple too, of like overcoming trauma, right? Like Mm -hmm. all of these stories, everybody wanted something to change and needed something different in their life, but had to like work on it to, to not only simplify their life, but also maintain that. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just about like setting the boundaries. It's like, now we have to maintain those boundaries. And what does it mean to actually um, daily invest on the things that matter most in our life so that we actually reap the benefit of having a more simplified existence, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's what I look back on and I go, wow, like all of these stories of change that people are living in they put forth the work and the effort Mm -hmm. to do it, Mm -hmm. to heal, to, you know, Mark, you know, setting boundaries um, at work and investing in his home, Caroline investing in her health and her wellness, Um, Jeff and Lori um, deciding like what were their values and then how do we hold to that, like hold Mm -hmm. to that, you know, and there's great discomfort in holding that. It sounds mm-hmm. like glamorous to like just be in an RV, you know, but, but to like live that every day and not go back on that choice or do something different or allow discontentment to creep in or whatever takes work. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like what you said, Sarah, about even uh, managing a homestead, like it's a simplified life. And you and I have talked about that in recording these episodes, but also outside of recording, we've talked about like this great desire to simplify your life, um, also has required a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Like, and that's what I, I got that analogy when we were talking, I'm like, it's not, you can, it's that the difference of like, I want to buy a homestead, like, well, that doesn't stop. It doesn't stop there. So like when we say I want a simple life, like, it doesn't stop there. Like once you get the simple life or you've, or you've limited it or you narrowed it down to these core things that I need to now start prioritizing, like, there is a lot of tending to. And as someone who is not consistent, that is the most laborious part is like the tending. Cause I'm a pendulum swinger. Like I'm like, you can visit and be like, Oh, she's so organized. It's not true. It's that I like, let it get so bad. And then I just freak out and do everything at the same time. Like I just, (laughs) I'm always one or the other. And so Kenny was just, we were just talking about that with like, um, the amount of screen time that we give our kids and summer has been really lax. And so I'm like, so I told them no shows because I'm just seeing all kinds of behavior. And it's like, <laughs> that's really how it is with you. It's like all shows or no shows. Like, like they're just going to have to learn to like, cause I'm like, and he's like, I don't know if you're ever really going to fix that. That's just going to be kind of how you tend to go, but there is room for growth and recognizing. And so back to like the home setting and the maintenance, like, yes, there's a lot of like 
we were filling potholes yesterday. My, my son was like, when we become farmers, we we're going to have to do a lot more than this. I said, I hate to break it to you. We already are farmers. How many people do you know, fill in potholes like all day long (laughs) on their quarter mile gravel driveway? I mean, maybe you're out there, but not many of us. But I think there's, that's the stuff that you don't think about. Mm -hmm. And I think too, in the society that we live, you see what you want and you think you can just have it like mm-hmm. that, like you can consume it. Like, and that what all the topics we talked about this um, season is about cultivating and consumption and cultivation are very different. Yeah. You know, can, you know, think of like consumption, like McDonald's, you know, but then like, think of like cultivation as like, um, I'm, it's not instant gratification. There are times where there's, you're going to suffer loss. There are times when you're going to have to, um, you know, press through difficulty and feel like it's in vain. And then there will be times of great harvest. Like it's, it's more dynamic consuming mm-hmm. is I eat the meal. It's gone. Yeah. Like, you know, but cultivating is hard work, circling back, dealing with loss. And that will always continue. There is no set it and forget it. There is no instapot of like of real relationship that you can just set it and it be done. So yes we have talked a lot about like whether or not we should, I, I debate sometimes if I, you think I'm off grid now I enter, entertain, like we don't need water. We'll just get a composting toilet. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm under square feet. Then I won't have to clean anything. Like, you know, like that's, <laughs> but there's a whole lot of work that comes behind those little YouTube channels where they look like they're living their best life with their composting toilet. Like they don't show you how much they have to do with it, you know? But I mean, at the same time, it really comes back to, to what we've been talking about, which is how badly do you want it? Uh-huh. All like, so for example, we've talked about like staying home with your kids, teaching your kids, your kids going to school every, you know, some of you are thinking about, do I go get a job? What kind of job do I get? And all of those are based off of like, what is it that you're wanting and how badly do you want it? You know, Mm -hmm. and what does that mean to go after that? You know, it requires sacrifice and no on some things in order for you to have that, you know, and it goes, it goes back to that conversation about hard choices. So I highly recommend that if you're kind of in that place of like, man, I, I, I don't, I have all these options in front of me and I don't know, like I want to, let's say, go back to work, but I also want to stay home with my kids. Like that's a hard choice. And Mm -hmm. then you have to decide what do you value the most? And it's okay Mm -hmm. for some of you to go, this is a time in my life where I really either need to work or our family needs for me to work, or um, I need to exercise my brain and that I need to value that more than the mom guilt that I'm carrying. But some of you are not in that place and you're not necessarily needing a career and you really want the permission to just stay home with your kids and that that can be enough and that it's okay to value that. So there's lots of distractions out there that kind of um, invite us to value new things and have new ideas and look at what everybody else is doing. And the world is so loud and consuming everything. You're right, Sarah. There's um, there's not a whole lot of lessons on cultivating the one thing or cultivating mm-hmm. the two things that you value. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and it's really easy for I know me. Uh, maybe for a lot of uh, other people, but it's really easy for me to start cultivating something and then get distracted with more things to start because mm-hmm. I wasn't comfortable with the discomfort of the work. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it'd be really easy for me to abandon the potholes to go tend to the garden because mm-hmm. that's more rewarding. <clears throat> Another thing we could talk about as we wrap up this season 
is um, that reconnection and values look different for all of us. And so um, I know for me, I just launched my son into college two weeks ago, and that has been a huge like life marker step, you know, to go through. And Sarah, um, you're in a generation where you said earlier, you're not necessarily with toddlers. You're with like, I think elementary school. I don't think you have quite middle school yet. Is that right? No, we'll be there. So I, it's 10 and nine is where I'm at. I'm like in this, I guess they call those tweens. Elementary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Tweens. Um, And, and so one of the things that I was thinking about was how, you know, we've talked a lot about like, how do you set good, healthy boundaries and how do you define your values and how do you make tough, you know, decisions along the way. But I, I wanted to kind of spend a little bit of time talking today about how, really it depends on the season you're in too, that your values change based off of your life stage. And, and you have to give yourself time to evolve into, or, or if we go back to the spiral, even like loop back on what does family mean to me now that I'm in a new stage? Um, and like, how do we work together with other people of various stages? Right. So I know that's a big statement, but I've been thinking a lot about like, wow, I just launched my first kid into college and I knew this time was coming. I've thought about it for a long time, like decade at least of like, I remember staying at home with my kids and I remember imagining like, what are they going to look like as teenagers? What are they going to look like as adults? What's their personality going to be like? How am I going to feel when I launch them off to, to college? Um, or launch them off into adulthood. And I remember being at your stage, Sarah, where I was like, oh my gosh, it's kind of around the corner. And how do I ready this little person for that? And how do I be present? Um, and will they be ready? And I also re- remember even, even up until this last year going, did this lifestyle ruin my kids? <laughs> like, are they going <laughs> to go into adulthood hating us for like what we dragged them through? Or are they going to be traumatized from like the difficulty that they've gone through because of it? And, you know, and hoping that what I was saying to them in those tough moments of like, it's all going to be worth it. It will like, you're going to reach this point where you're going to be able to say like, my character is better for it. And really Mm -hmm. hoping that that was going to be true. (laughs) Like that they wouldn't like you lied to me, you know? Um, So there's all these different stages of, what's most important. And now that we've launched one and still have one in the house, we're at a place of like, what does it mean to reconnect with what matters most at this stage for us and for us? And then I'd like for you to be able to kind of talk about Sarah, where you are. Um, For us, it is about still the four of us. It's also about aging parents. It's also about um, how do I stay connected to my kids now that like one is far away from me and how you can't have family game night like you used Mm -hmm. to, you know? So how does, how do I make room in my life to reconnect or stay connected with the people in my life that matter, that takes time, that takes money, that takes energy in a different way than it did before um, and prioritizing that. And I remember looking at other spouses or other families that were ahead of me that were kind of like disappearing. Like they were like, I wouldn't see them for a really long time. And it was because they were traveling home to take care of aging parents or they were traveling to see their kid at college. And 
they were less involved, you know, in the, in the military, at least when we would have coffee groups and community events and like that, that generation was like not around very often. And now I'm finding myself entering into that space where I'm having to ask myself, well, what matters most to me? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I'm generation X, you know, and the force right now, I'm not sure about the first responder force, but I would say the military force is 92% millennials and Gen Z now. Mm-hmm. And that means I'm in the 8% that's left over. <laughs> I am not the majority. And so, Sarah, I know you're a millennial. Um, and so I don't know how you feel about that being called a millennial. Um, I will say millennials have gained a ton of respect compared to like 10, 15 years ago when everybody was adolescents and needed the grace to figure out their life. I think millennials are interesting. I think the spread's always the same as far as how many years it captures, but I feel like I sometimes can relate more to Gen X because like I didn't get a cell phone until I was 17. Mm -hmm. So I lived most of my childhood in a different world than like the kid who was born when toy story came out, which I think is also a millennial, you know, you know what I mean? So, um, so yeah. And then I also have done kind of a study too, where I've thought, you know, cause I have cousins who are like through and through millennial and they're not that much younger than me. Um, but they grew up in more urban settings and more, I was in more rural settings that were like, just countrified. We were slower. We didn't have a computer. That wasn't what you did. I watch movies now from the nineties. I'm like, people had computers. Like we, I didn't get windows 98. Like I didn't like, we just, so I think you're even your income, like it, during that, that time yeah. determined, you know, how much of that was influencing your childhood or your adolescence or whatever. But yes, I am a millennial. I don't know how I feel about it, but I am one. <laughs> Well, I wanted to take a minute and kind of like talk through the different generations and and what these different generations are valuing the most. And and Sarah, I think you'd be surprised that although I would agree with you, I don't think that you are. And I I don't know if I would even just most people hear millennial and you hear snowflake entitled never left home like and that was the big descriptor of an adolescent or 20 year old millennial. But millennials are now 40. So we have to remember that millennials are actually running a lot of the businesses there. They have families now. And so just like any other generation, um, every generation has to learn how to adult. Right. And so mm-hmm. millennials have evolved past that, like what used to be um, labeled as the snowflake, you know, entitlement. And I, I do think that that history brings with it. Um, how do you adult with um what what millennials were demanding a lot of. And so I think it's shaped how they adult, but I don't think that they're necessarily coming out as entitled as everybody wanted to label them. So <laughs> just, just as an example, um, so we, I won't spend a lot of time on Gen X because, you know, there's in the force, Gen X is starting to move towards either retirement or or we're evolving into like second careers and that sort of thing. But just so that we have context, like Gen X, we, I mean, Matt and I, I shared this in one of the other episodes that we did very clearly defined by raising ourselves a lot of hard work and work ethic in movies. Everything is shaped by movies like Goonies. I mean, watch stranger things and that's Gen X. Um, So for me, what matters most to me I raised myself, Matt raised himself. And so family dinners are everything. 
spending time with our kids matters at this stage more than our jobs. Like we did the hard work. We've been a, a rat on the wheel. Like we proved that work ethic. And now like we want to be with our kids. And I think every generation is feeling that in different ways. Then you've got your millennials and millennials are circling back to family. And they're asking themselves, like, how do I raise my kids? Um, and I'd love to hear your feedback on this area because millennials did kind of, they were shaped by the helicopter parenting mm -hmm. of, um, of parents who were constantly present. And some of that came from the older Gen X who raised themselves. The older Gen X raised themselves. And so that translated, the pendulum swung. And so then they raised millennials, especially the older millennials. Um, like, I want to be present in everything because I didn't have anyone present for me. Right. Mm -hmm. And that turns mm -hmm. into helicopter parenting and it, did, and it turned into a little bit of entitlement. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what you, what you feel about that or what you maybe saw from your peers. Yeah, it is interesting because I think, um, for the long, I'm trying to kind of put it together. Like the, the millennials that I know are the ones that are like, like I said, I'm more on like that cusp, like that line, that divider line. And so, um, you're right. Like in, in the police force, like we are the old ones like now, <laughs> which is really weird. Cause when you're the old, when you're the young one for so long, you kind of think like, I'm always the young one. And then you're like, yeah. oh crap, I'm the old mom. Like, you know, like yeah. it's like, how old do you think I am? But, um, but so listening, looking at some of the younger millennials come in, it, it we still feel sometimes a little bit gapped from them because we didn't have some of the stuff that they like for the two thousands, which is like, what was my like defining era? That was, I feel like whatever era you were like a teenager in is yeah. kind of what sets you in. And that's, I was, I was September 11th. Like that. Yeah. I remember it. I wasn't in elementary school. I was in high school, you know, mm -hmm. but I also wasn't a young adult, which, you know, which is more Gen X was right there. Right. Cause I'm mm -hmm. literally at the cusp. So, but I think, um, the ones that I see and know the millennials that I know it is that thing of like, I feel like we kind of all feel in, in the group of people I see or, uh, that I run in is we feel like we were sold a bill of goods and like mm -hmm. go to college and then you have no job, like mm -hmm. go to, you know, so many of us are like, you don't have to go to college. Like, like, that's how, like, we're kind of like, not that you don't, not that you can't, but it's not like what we heard growing up was that's the only way you'll get a job. That's yeah. the only way you'll, you know, and it was being shaped by, you know, at least for Kenny and I, our, our, both our dads who were hard workers only had a high school education and got passed up for, you yeah. know, things by the college degree kids. So they hammered it into us yeah. to get these degrees. And then we come out in an economy that had nothing yeah. And it was like, well, where's all your experience? It's like, you made us go to school. We don't have any experience. <laughs> so, you know, just that, like, so I think it was maybe, maybe that did force our generation to like grow up and not be so entitled and have to be willing to reshape, reform and rethink the way we were being pushed and kind of maybe go back. Now I know my personality is to go back, but I think like you said, to, to say like, we'll just do it ourselves. If the, mm -hmm. if the system everybody trusted all these systems and they, those systems failed us. Yeah. So now we're, we are perfectly comfortable with rebuilding like different things and forsaking like tradition yeah. or forsaking the old ways for kind of this, like, you know, we're going to do something better. Or we're going to actually at least think about why we're doing what we're doing. Cause I feel like there wasn't a lot of thought in our, in our raising. It wasn't a lot of thought as to like, you just go to college, you just do this. You did. Nobody's thinking everyone's just doing this thing 
and then it falls flat on its face. So I think that has shaped us. That's so, okay. So this is super powerful, um, what you're saying, because here's what's basically happening. You know, our generation was, um, you go be a part of something, you go get the degree and you go be a part of something. And that's how you change the world, get a job, whatever. And then the millennial generation is coming along going, that didn't work for me. And so I have to go build it myself. Like when Mm -hmm. you look at our culture and the things that have popped up in the last 10 to 15 years, I mean, startup companies, um, the tech industry, like so much of that was launched from millennials who maybe or maybe not had degrees. Like Mm -hmm. they they were a talent driven generation less based off of the education. It's like if there's not a space for me, I'm just going to go start one myself. Mm-hmm. which is phenomenal when you think about it, right? And so when you talk about like reconnecting with what matters most and what drives your motives and what drives your um, passion, right? It's, it is important to see this from a generational perspective, why you've got an older generation that's like, why would you go and start something new instead of taking what's already been built and making it better, mm-hmm. right? Versus a generation that's like, I'm disappointed with what was offered to me and I can do it better if I build it myself Mm -hmm. or if you don't give me the respect to come in and make it better, then I'll just go create something new. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, and none of that is wrong or bad. It's just two different generations on what do you value? You know, the older generation valuing, valuing what has been established and, and preserving that, I think a little bit. And then a newer generation that is, valuing creativity, valuing opportunity, valuing, like we were talking about in the beginning, simplifying that we have the privilege to simplify if we want to. Like, I don't have to trust whatever system is in place when I can do it probably better myself based off of what my values are. Mm -hmm. Homeschooling, homesteading, you know, going back to that piece of land rather than like the inner city or urban settings, right? Like I can do it better myself based off of what my values are. You know, Mm -hmm. I value raising my own chickens. So that's what I want to do. And I can learn Mm -hmm. how to do that now, right? I don't have to go to get a degree to do that. I've got Mm -hmm. YouTube. I've, you know, and millennials were the ones that led the way on first putting that information out there. Like why go to an institution and pay all this money? We could just teach ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right. Or mm-hmm. be an expert in that myself. Um, and so this is really important for understanding what drives you and what's driving each generation so that when you are forming community with people, when you are or when you're trying to set boundaries with people to say, this is how I need to change my life and my world based off of what I value. Those those decisions like bump up against each other. Mm hmm. And, and it can create conflict and division if we don't understand how those different generations um, make those decisions and how they value different things for different reasons, mm-hmm. right? Like that's, a you know, that's what's happening in our culture right now to see people abandoning um, the military force, abandoning the police force, because this institution that you could just come in and get a job is now disappointing, I think, the younger generation. And and I would, you know, I would love to hear your thoughts on this, Sarah, because this is, I know, hits home for you probably too personally. But like when you have 
both the military and the first responder institution is taking huge hits for moral failings. And that doesn't necessarily reflect everybody in the force. Not everybody is making those moral decisions um, that, um, that are being blasted all over the news, but it affects the overall institution where people are like, I don't want to align myself with that institution. I'd rather just go do something myself. And so I know military, we are not reaching recruiting numbers because people are seeing that and going, why would I want to be a part of something when I can just go start something myself? Mm-hmm. Or why align myself with the police force when justice no longer feels good? Mm-hmm. You know, and then you've got people like Kenny that are like, but this matters. In, yes, but he, it, you know, I think he just said this to me the other day. We were talking about the boys and what they would, whatever they wanted to do when they grew up, the boys weren't around. And he goes, I hope to God they don't want to be a cop. And it made me think of Matt. Because mm-hmm. his dad was like that, right? Yeah, yeah. It like instantly made me think of that. And I I just thought how interesting and also how sad because it does mean something to him, but it also has become so okay. We're talking about what we value and and entitlement, right? We talked about like millennials with like entitlement. And entitlement would be like, I should be the president of this company even though I am 19, like you know, or whatever. And I have worked one job. That's yeah. entitlement, right? Not willing to work hard. Um, but value though, and what I see at least in like police world is no one's being valued. Yeah. And that's kind of true. Even in, I think about when you were, when I was trying to map out what, what my reality became as an adult, as a millennial entering into like adult world. One of the things, like even what you said, it was about getting a job and then linking up with something and being devoted maybe to that company. And there was opportunity to rise within that company or to stay true to something. And what we saw in our adult life was like, AT&T is going to offer the new customer a free phone, but you have to keep paying for yours. There's no uh, like value yeah. to people in what they give, like, like, and, and there's no, it's not a give and take. And so then you crank up the heat and you do have moral failures and you do get really bad associations and, and the name of like, po- just speaking to police gets drawn through the mud, but none of the other stuff went away. You're still getting shot at. You're still getting expected to work like swing shifts of like, now you're on days. Oh, nope. Now you're on mornings. Oh, nope. Now you got to come in at two in the morning and it's changing, changing, changing. And you're expected to have really no life. This society doesn't value you. Your paycheck doesn't value you. The company you work for, but not the company, but the office, the sheriff's office that you work for is treating you like a number. Yeah. Why would someone want to come into that? And why would you wish that for anybody, no matter how meaningful the work you get to a point where like that can only even take you so far of like the meaning ascribed to it of knowing like, yeah, this is true and good, even if it's being misrepresented or it isn't being perceived as good, but yet you're a person. And at the end of the day, you can only take so much. And one of the things that's happening, you know, that we, I was just talking about with another friend in law enforcement is, um, you know, there's a, the, So if you want to leave your department because maybe you don't like what's happening, you try to go to a different one. The entry level position is that you have to be on swing shifts. So you got people who are like 15 year veterans that are like, I'm not working a swing shift, but I think you even have 20 year olds that are like, why would I do that? Like this is, so you're going to give me $30,000 and I've got to work. (laughs) I've got to just work whatever you want me to. Like there, I think there's these younger generations are asking, yeah, but do you value me? And there is a difference between entitlement 
and value of feeling like I'm not your slave. I'm not your, I'm not your commodity. Like, and, and I think those younger ones are tired, maybe tired of that, you know, absolutely. And, and asking those questions, you know? Yes, absolutely. And add to that Gen Z is um, already fueled and fired up with that same value mindset because Gen Z is known as this is sounds very sad, but it's true. Gen Z is, is called the mass shooter generation. Mm-hmm. And, and that's terrible, right? But they are already coming into the workplace like, um, the world is an unsafe place. The world is an untrusting place and I have talent and I'm not going to just give it to anyone. And so like, I want to be treated better. Like mm-hmm. I deserve to like be in a school that I feel safe in, or I deserve to like, so they're coming in with a worldview that is, um, oversaturated with information. So here's what I mean by that. You were just talking about, um, not feeling valued. Well, before social media and the internet and all of this information and the visibility, like you enter a job and you don't know that there is toxicity of leadership or you don't know that there's mistreatment until you get passed over for that promotion, right? You mm-hmm. give that loyalty, you give that work, you put put your dues in, right? And then over time, you start realizing maybe what this organization is about. Maybe you're not a good fit for it. And you can decide whether or not you leave that organization or whether it's worth, worth it to work harder to try to get that promotion next time, right? Or maybe everybody is dealing with a toxic boss, right? And so it's just what you do. If you stick stick with it long enough, you get promoted, But what's happened is like the visibility is so great now that like you, you have it broadcast everywhere. The, the mistreatment you it's, it's easier to know before you even enter the job, what I'm entering into, like Mm -hmm. it's why join the police force. If I've got to wear a body camera and the one, if I get one thing wrong, it's like I'm canceled in the cancel culture Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Um, And people form their opinions about me too. The risk is much higher. And the cockroaches, if you will, the flaws in the system are exposed um, from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so you decide from the beginning whether or not you want to even align yourself with something when all of that is not only being exposed Um, And I can make the choice whether or not I enter it and put my talent there or whether I, I risk being aligned with something that could taint my character. Mm -hmm. And it's, and like you're saying, it's just not worth it to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Right. And so um, 64% of Gen Z don't trust the government. And I think that includes the both forces as well. Trust the institutions. I think you could, you could kind of, fill in the blank instead and say they don't trust the institutions because so much more is visible Mm -hmm. before, you know? And so I think that I love the way that you define that of just going, it's, it's not entitlement. It's just wanting to be valued and wanting to bring something to the table that's valued. And if it's not valued, then can I take it elsewhere? And I know the military system is relooking at their pensions and their retirement system, and and it is um, going to have huge consequences of people being recruited and staying with the job if it's not worth it to cross that 20-year finish line. People would mm-hmm. rather take their talent elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And so this is, and this is all goes back to our reconnect, because this is all about like, 
what matters most to you and how do you make decisions of what matters most to you and how do I take care of my family and, and how do I make those tough decisions um, when we're exhausted and we're tired and we are, we've endured some really hard things. And, you know, I've, I've heard you say it, Sarah, um, so honestly, and I have been so grateful that this season you've been honest with your feelings. I think it's opened up a lot of hopefully some eyes on the, um, on the first responder experience and on relationships and what that's like to live that every day. But I think it also mirrors what I think the military families are experiencing too, of this has been really hard for a really long time. And it's really easy to get to a place of like, do I really want to do this anymore? Mm -hmm. Because my family, my family has value. My wellness has value. Um, and measuring that up against what is now visible in the system of like, what does it mean to put people first? And that's what I think millennials started to ask is like, we need to put people first here, families first. And I know the army did a whole people first movement, but that's why everybody is experiencing some resentment on the military side of you said people first, but we're not actually treating people first. So now right. what mean? Mm -hmm. so I'm not, I'm not encouraging everybody to just abandon your careers. What I'm trying to express here is there is an undercurrent of weariness and frustration. And I think that's what launched us into this season in the first place, Sarah, is like, we're coming out of great trauma from COVID great trauma from seeing our whole culture um, kind of implode and become divisive and attacking itself and mistrusting of itself, um, mistrusting generations that we're living with too. And it's just been, we're coming out of a lot of trauma that has made us ask the question, like, what really matters in my life? And what do I do mm -hmm. about that? Mm -hmm. It'll be, I guess it'll be interesting how it plays out, but I think it definitely, it's something that I hadn't considered prior to you asking, like in this conversation of just being like, well, map out your adult experience and then <laughs> tell me why you're doing what you're doing. And I'm like, it's really true. Like, you know, it's a, it's mix of a mistrust and then of it's time to value things and value people. And that I think gets lost in a consumer driven culture um, because people consume people and that just isn't going to work till people finally are like, you know what? I'm kind of tired of that. Being so consumed. I don't want to leave everybody with like, oh my gosh, things are terrible. And I need to go to have a marriage discussion on whether or not we should quit <laughs> the lifestyle. So <laughs> that's not exactly what I want to present. I, the whole point I think of the life giver podcast has been to have honest conversation about like, like, how are we feeling? What's the truth of what's happening? And then what do we do with that? Right? Mm -hmm. Like, how do we move forward? Because I always say, like, we're going to, you know, I, somebody said they wanted to have a pocket Corey, because I use that phrase, like, let's just sit in the pocket for a little bit. And they're like, well, I'd like to have a Corey in my pocket, <laughs> which was really funny to me one time. But like, <laughs> it's like, we have to sit in the pocket of the truth. And then we have to like move forward. Right. Mm -hmm. And so everybody is in a different season and a different stage. That's why I wanted to do a podcast with Jeff and Lori Hawkins on what does it mean to move into a different season and, and have your life not be attached to the service lifestyle anymore. And that's important to be thinking forward. And, and Jeff offered great wisdom to go, it will end. Like you can't over identify with a job so much that you crumble on the other side of it because you didn't think of who you were apart from that. Right. So mm -hmm. that's really, really important. And it's great wisdom to have. 
And so the, the honest conversation here is to go, this is hard. Why is it hard? Um, there is truth in the fact that we all come to this lifestyle for different reasons um, and for different values. Some of you are, are Gen Z and you are coming into this lifestyle because it offers financial security and jobs where you would have otherwise struggled. Like I'm shocked that my son is considering signing up for the Air Force, but his reasons are, hey, like they're going to pay for my college and I'm guaranteed a job. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I only have to give four years. Okay. Like, mm -hmm. and that's a lot of Gen Z right now is the benefits and the security but not necessarily long-term loyalty and job security. It's just the initial launching of um, possibly a little bit of that consumer mentality of like, I can, before I have a ton to offer, I'm willing to consume what you give me, which is the job, right? Mm -hmm. And the benefits. And so it is um, Gen Z coming mm -hmm. into it for that reasons. Millennials, I think are still trying to um, improve it where they can. I think millennials are staying in it because they have some, like, I think where you are, Sarah and your family, where we've been in it for a while. So it, it feels uncomfortable to just leave it. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause we're not quite done with it yet. We can, what can we do to make it better? And if we can't, then we'll launch some other things on the side that makes us feel like we have some control and that we're um, doing things in other ways, mm -hmm. um, homeschooling, nutrition. Um, there's so many, um, physical fitness. Like there's so many things that I think millennials have done a great job launching and saying, I can do it better than what mm -hmm. I've seen. Um, and there's some of us that are Gen X that are like kind of nearing the end of the finish line. And there's no way we're going to leave an institution, you know, um, even if it has its flaws. And, and there's probably a lot that are even older than me that are going, why are we even talking about it anyways? We should be hiding it. Right. Which is not always <laughs> the best answer as well. And so it's about having the honest conversation. And then what do we do with the stage of life that we are currently in? I don't think it's ever worked for anybody to just um, abandon things impulsively because of our emotions. Like mm -hmm. that um, is not always the best way to handle frustration, right? We want to be wise with our decisions. We want to be, there are seasons of life where we do have to put the hard work in before we're going to see the, like going back to your cultivation before we see the product of it. And a career is very similar. Some of you who are just launching into the career, you may have some time to adjust and say, you know what? Gardening is not for me. Farming is not for me. And you may look at this lifestyle and go, this, this lifestyle is not what we thought it was going to be. And we have time to adjust. Mm-hmm and go do something different. And others of you have been in for a while and you're like, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting good zucchini this season. I didn't have good zucchini last season, but we are thriving and we're okay. And me or my spouse love the job and we have a passion to do it. And there is, there is joy in the cultivating. It's just a really hot summer. Mm-hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and so it's worth it to stick around because abandoning it just because there's a drought this summer could be abandoning a lot of things without mm -hmm. something else lined up to know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. um, but there's also room, depending on which generation you are, there's room to still make your world better. 
with the strengths that you have individually and the strengths that you have within your generation. Like my generation, Gen X, it's okay to say out loud, it's not okay for it to to stay this way. I don't have to abandon it, but I also have to speak the truth. And what I am seeing is that when Gen X are speaking the truth, everybody is very relieved. Every, you know, when we are in a room and we go, families are struggling, teenagers are struggling, we need more resources, we need better care for people. Mm-hmm. Everybody is nodding in the room and saying, thank you for saying it out loud. Thank you for at least valuing people enough to start the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think millennials are saying it shouldn't be this way. It's, and this is where I had this thought this morning of interesting that millennials are now, I think, leading a lot of both the first responder culture and the military culture. They are now in leadership. And here is where the millennials have to be able to say as leaders, what does change look like so that we don't lose these institutions completely? If we are going to actually be leaders, what does change look like? How do we change it for the better? How do we like say, yes, something does need to change. People do need to be valued. And we've got to rethink some of this. But here is a question I've been pondering. I'm just curious if millennials were raised to not have a ton of accountability. For example, going back to the original label, millennials were raised with like, you know, and I know this was people making fun of millennials back then, but like if everybody got a trophy, Mm -hmm. right. And there was really not a ton of accountability Mm -hmm. and having to lose or get things wrong and fail and evolve, like going back to the, the spiral, if we didn't have to do the hard work to evolve and develop a depth of character and get better, we could just quit the sport. Mm -hmm. and go through Mm -hmm. something new, right? Mm -hmm. Then we have to have the character development to say, um, how do we allow ourselves to be held accountable to evolve? If like things are going to change and get better and you want it to get better instead of quitting, how do we say, I'm going to make it better and then be willing to be held accountable and stick with it long enough to see change happen? Mm-hmm. Sarah, your thoughts on that as a millennial? Cause that's a really tough, like, oof. well, I think what I think when you're saying that is I like it because it's, I certainly, those are themes that I see in my life. Like I wouldn't have thought I, I still grew up in like very blue collar. Like you do work hard. Like I had like three jobs, like always, and no one made me do that, but I was like, why not? Like, you know, just keep getting the money, like, you know, or whatever with your little $5 an hour or whatever it was. But, but I think like, those are themes that I feel like I have, um, had to, to revisit in my life of like, what was I expecting? And, um, am I expecting it to never be hard? And do I just quit when it's hard? Like, and I feel like that is a message to that maybe specific generation. And I do agree. I mean, I, um, there, you're always going to get varying degrees of how people were raised in that generation. And so maybe that was going on maybe more at the school, but I necessarily wasn't raised like that in my home to just quit whatever. But, um, but I think it is true. Like that 
you don't have to necessarily even, even if that is like where you struggle, like maybe that is how you struggle of like, you won't bail anytime it gets hard. And maybe that does speak to your generation. You also, as a person, like you said, you can evolve and you can make different changes. And honestly, that's maturing. Like, and that is, I've, I've thought a lot about that this year of like, it sounds so silly, but literally on my 35th birthday, we were traveling and something just kind of came in my head that was like, it's time to grow up. Now mm-hmm. I'm a very responsible person. Like I like, I don't like, I'm not like being reckless in my relationships or with my commitments, but there was something in my head that was mm-hmm. like, it's time to just grow up and stop complaining. Like, like stop like crying about how everything is so hard and accept that hardship is in life. Mm-hmm. And what does that look like? And so, um, I don't know. I think it is hopeful to know that while it's insightful to know where maybe our weaknesses are or why our perspectives are the way they are because of the, the, the pocket of time we were born and raised and came into adulthood. in, it's also good to know that you still have control over that. And that the, the, that what is timeless is our ethics and morals and, virtues, good grief. Where did virtues go? (laughs) Like those things are timeless. And we all have the ability to tap into those things, to be of someone of upstanding character, which means to have tenacity and to not quit and to not always, you know, look at what you're getting out of it, but to, to pour into others, all those kinds of things are timeless. And so we can choose, and that's what it takes to do the hard work and grow past even our in our, our, our limited worldviews or our perspectives that have that ensnare us. Yeah. And I want to encourage everybody that, um, when you are trying to change something, be aware of the generations that are around you and how they receive your ideas for change. It's not that everybody is unable to change. It just means each generation changes things in a different way. Right. And so when, if you are a millennial or a Gen Z and you're trying to especially change a whole institution, you have to build relationships with, with the other generations to help them understand why you're wanting to change an institution that they were taught to just join and like keep your head, head down and mm-hmm. get through. Um, or that invoking change too soon can be interpreted by other gen- older generations as disrespectful mm-hmm. because older generations are going to say we gain wisdom from people above us. Whereas younger generations now are saying we have a lot to offer and we expect this to be a two-way conversation. Mm-hmm. And so it's not that it shouldn't evolve. It's not that it shouldn't change. Change has to happen. And that's what every new generation is meant to do is to evolve things but we can't evolve things in a silo or in a vacuum and just expect everybody to get it, right? We have to form relationships. We have to learn communication. We have to um, do what I think we've lost, especially since COVID too. Add COVID plus social media and you stir it up in a pot together and everybody's not even sitting across the table from each other anymore. Mm -hmm. We're just demanding things and expecting everybody to agree, right? We've got to be able to have conversations with people and go, this is why something needs to change. Here's how I'm proposing it should change. What are, what are your thoughts or questions on that? Right. And then let that older generation offer the wisdom of, we either tried that before and here's what happened, or here's, here's how we almost did that before. And here's the lessons learned from it. 
mm-hmm. right? Or here's how we can help you. Like, here's how we can help you with that generation that's really hard to get on board. Let us be those influencers with those other people in the generation. So there has to be conversation instead of forcing things or just expecting things. And and I don't fault um, everybody for wanting to try. I think really the, the ultimate um, root issue here was what's happened to us with um, COVID isolating everybody and being oversaturated with an information um, generation of -hmm. just, we have access to so much information um, that's shaped our culture in new ways. And we just can just speak from all of our soapboxes. But then what you have is a whole community and culture all standing on their soapboxes, but nobody listening. Mm -hmm. So you have incredible things to offer and there's incredible ways to shape the service lifestyle, whether you're on a first responder side or a military side, but you cannot do it in the absence of building relationships. Mm -hmm. And that's, um, and that's where you have to decide going back to reconnect. What do you value more? Do you value more correcting or changing the institution or people? Mm -hmm. Because everybody got into this for people and a job, Mm -hmm. right? But you're in it probably because you needed your family to be taken care of. And so we do that through relationships. So um, I know this one was a little bit of a heavier one, but I think that it was really important to kind of talk, have a whole season on like, how do you figure out what matters most to you in your life? But I mean, what a, what a way to kind of end this um, season with whatever matters most to you, I think we could all look back over the season and say, really, I think it's all come down to people, our family, um, ourselves and taking care of ourselves. Um, but it's also each other. And so if, if you need to make some life changes in your life, I would encourage you to sit down and write down like, what are, what is most important to you and why? And then how does this lifestyle fit into that? And you might be in a season where, you know what, what's most important is, is my toddlers or my kids needing the medical benefits that let's say the military offers. And so we're going to have to endure some tough things, but that's what we value the most is having that medical care. Um, and it's worth it to put up with whatever the lifestyle might be handing us, but you might be in a different generation where you, or a different season of life where you're like, you know what? I've given so much to this military lifestyle and I'm, I'm going to cross whatever finish line I that's here for me, but I'm tired and I'm weary and I need to reconnect with rebuilding myself and re and investing in my older kids or my aging parents. And so that's what I need to reconnect with. That's what matters most. And so I might be distancing myself a little bit from this lifestyle in order to focus on those things. Um, and that both of those are good. Sarah, um, thank you for the extra time today. Thank you for always, um, bringing such powerful metaphors and, um, and your deep thoughts and your um, countering my um, bantering back and forth. Um, thank you for joining me this season and opening up my eyes to your world too, not just your homesteading world, but like your first responder relationship and family and lifestyle. And I hope everybody that's listened to you this season um, sees that police officer or that firefighter or that EMS worker and just offers that grace of how much you guys offer our community 
and how much you've been through in the last two years and that um, you guys also need relationships and you need friendships and you need um, kindness. And so thank you for inviting us into your world this season. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Life Giver Podcast. We keep things pretty simple around here and don't include sponsors so that you can get our focused attention. So please subscribe, leave us a quick review, or share it with other service families you know. If you would like more information or want to connect, you can find out more by going to coreyweathers.com or life-giver.org for tons of content and resources and encouraging you to create more margin in your life as well.